Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is the Ocean Protect podcast, talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Righto, we are coming to you live here today from the lock-in, uh, which is just right next door to the uh, Grounds Cafe at Alexandra, and we are joined by the lovely Joanne Taranto. Welcome, Joe. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along. And uh, look, it's, it's fair to say this is a really weird cafe. It seems to be the selfie capital of Australia. There's also but- a lot of knives on the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is, which uh, thankfully they're actually locked up because sometimes uh, we do have heated conversations, but at least myself and Jeremy. But uh, I'm sure this one will be a very joyous occasion with you joining us today, Joe. We're, we're on our best behaviour. Are you on your best behaviour, Jeremy? Oh, my marginal. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us, uh, Joe. Like, uh, I actually only met you just recently at the Oswater Conference in Melbourne last week. Right. And, and you've known Jeremy for a little while. But for the viewers out there, sorry, the listeners out there. That's the second time <laughs> you've done that. Is this being recorded? Yeah. yeah. There, there, there is some secret <laughs> filming going on, um, uh, maybe. But um, look, for the, for the listeners out there that don't actually know you or wouldn't be aware of what your, what the amazing work that you do, what do you do? I wear a few hats. I look terrible in hats, but I do like to wear a few. So I am incredibly passionate about a few things in our beautiful city and uh, one is the Parramatta River. Mm. So I work with a group called the Parramatta River Catchment Group and I am the river keeper, which um, makes me pretty much a wizard. Uh, I wear a, a wizard, and I have a staff and <laughs> it commands a level of, um, yeah. Really? Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, and my other role is that I run a, a a consultancy called Good for the Hood. Yeah. And Good for the Hood is all about connecting grassroots community members and volunteers with uh, solutions and uh, businesses and organisations which are trying to fix issues in the environment, particularly when it comes to waste. Wow. So what, what's a typical week then? Is it oh, – Look. Is there a typical week? <laughs> it's, it's an eclectic mix. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so for example, last week I, I spent quite a bit of time down at the Oswater Conference actually doing podcasts. Yeah. Which, which is uh, – Well, who is that for? Is that for Oswater? Uh, yeah, that was oh, with cool. the Australian Water Association. So, so they actually got you to come down and they, well, they, you're, you're recording yeah. speakers or guests? I was recording people from all over the water industry, from wow. all over the world. Wow. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was are they awesome. as cool and hip and groovy as me and Jeremy? Uh, look, I won't say they all were, <laughs> but everyone in the water industry has their own unique uh, 
coolness. That's a very nice way of saying <laughs> saying that. So uh, I think that was a no brand. <laughs> <laughs> but look, look, uh, you're obviously very passionate about the environment. So I, I'm actually keen to hear your origin story. So how did yeah. you get so hardcore passionate? about the environment? So, so I grew up on in the country. I grew up in northern New South Wales uh, on a farm and I think anyone who grows up on the land has a certain appreciation for the environment and I think that you can't live and work the land and work with the environment unless you respect uh, the environment and, and also nurture it as well. So I think even though at the time I probably didn't identify as a hardcore country kid, uh, it wasn't until I moved to the city and I realised that actually, you know, Open space, green space, <laughs> water quality is actually really important to me. Yeah. Um, and look, I wasn't working in this space before um, or even involved really until I had kids. And really? As soon as I had kids, uh, it unlocked something for me and I was actually quite concerned about the, the future for them. And so that's when I thought I have to do something even if it's only small and, yeah, I haven't really looked back. What's going to happen when you and I have kids, Brad? <laughs> Look out, world. <laughs> um, but no, but it's really interesting you say that because I, I obviously don't have kids, but I can imagine that feeling of going, well, well, well it's not just about me anymore. Uh, these are my, my children and, and what type of world am I going to let them live into? Um, yeah, I'd look, look I'm, yeah, as I said, yeah. I don't have kids, but uh, it's, it's, it's not an uncommon, um, I guess, moment for people to go. Yeah. Hang on, we need to do something. Yeah. Because um, you do, you have all these maternal and paternal fears and, and worries which are sometimes founded and sometimes completely unfounded. But I think when it comes to the environment, climate change, water quality, you know, they're pretty concerning pretty issues. And, and yeah. how, did you, how did you find yourself working in this sort of waterway health environment though? Because uh, like, there's a lot of environmental well, issues. Well, yeah. yeah, take us back to the start. So Yeah, so I, I was a, a young mum, well, youngish, um, with two kids under – uh, I guess five and working a couple of days a week, you know, doing all the normal juggle that, you know, any parent finds themselves in uh, and working in safety at the time. And when I was looking to return to more full-time work, um, I knew that my passion was in the environment, um, but I didn't really want to go back to further studies. And I, I was concerned that I, you know, was kind of limited by my previous experience, but also knew that like anything, if I wanted to change the world, I had to start at home. So mm. for me, I just started doing some, you know, fairly dorky things um, like reducing my own waste, you know, getting pretty involved in looking at the food and the consumption habits of our household, all of those things that, you know, I felt in control of. Yeah. And then started talking to neighbours and friends and got involved with uh, a fruit and veg co-op, which was zero waste in our street and then my neighbour and I decided that you know because we had so much time on our hands uh, we didn't um, <laughs> that we would start a community campaign which would look at reducing single-use plastic because again it felt like such a easy switch for people and also something which we noticed in our community in Ride of Sydney that it was pretty immense the amount of litter and waste there so we developed a campaign called Five for Ride just literally started going out and talking to people and businesses and then within 12 months of that we were working with ABC on War and Waste and I was on Q&A and talking to people about community change and I was like, maybe I'm actually okay at doing this stuff. So oh, Wow, that is amazing. So yeah. it's, it's one of the quote that comes to mind is when you, when you align yourself with your own you know, key values, the universe often conspires to support you. Yeah. And that seems to what – so in the space of 12 months you were finding yourself – 
going on ABC shows and yeah. talking about that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. It and it, I entire I, I've. I've got a wonderful work experience student with me this week, Audrey. Shout out to Audrey. Um, shout, shout out, out to, to Audrey. Audrey. <laughs> um, and I she doesn't have to, a microphone, so <laughs> otherwise she'd be on it. Um, and look, I've said to her and I would say to anyone who's interested in, you know, looking at what they do for a career is you just got to align with what sparks that passion within yeah. you. And, and to be honest, I never feel like I'm working when I go to work. I never feel – I don't tell anyone, but I would do every job that I do for free because yeah, you Yeah. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so, especially as a consultant. Yeah, yeah. So going back to five for ride, tell us about that. I guess it was a proof of concept for us is that we felt that if you gave people easy, simple steps to make changes and they were positive and they were solutions focused that people would engage because we felt completely overwhelmed by the issues of climate change, by the issues of mm. plastic pollution, by the impact that we could see daily in the environments that we're interacting with and we worked in bush care and um, doing a lot of litter cleanups but we kept hearing you know these doom and gloom stories and felt really really disempowered and we thought well the opposite to that is giving people really simple attractive Mm -hmm. solutions Mm -hmm. and if you can make it fun and interesting and you know a bit silly maybe people are more likely to do it so Mm. so that was our premise we we targeted um four single-use items coffee cups plastic bags uh, straws and water bottles Mm. and also talked about just generally putting your waste in the right bin Mm. in the right way so you know recycling education and we went to council um got some support from them got some sort of initial funding from a few community groups and grants and then literally spent a lot of our spare time going to businesses and helping them sign up to become responsible cafes, starting sewing groups to create boomerang bags, um, all really well-known grassroots movements which already existed. Um, but all our messages were always about the positive things. Mm. We, we kept hearing over and over that no one wants to see pictures of turtles with straws up their nose. Mm. It's important and we've got to understand the why, but that doesn't make people want to, to change. It actually just makes them scared and yeah. we know that when people are afraid, they feel disempowered. So we just always – and I still think it's a really important message for every environmentalist is, yes, it's important to understand the impact of what we are doing, but you've got to make the solutions positive. Yeah so that people feel that they can actually engage. And I I equate it back to the really serious issues of the 90s when you used to see the images of the Ethiopian, Mm. um, you know, famine and and you become desensitised to Mm. these horrific images and horrific stories unless you are given a way that you can tangibly make a difference in your life right now. And so I think that, you know, when we're looking at all of these issues, we need to give people ways to access it that doesn't also make them feel like they may be a crazy greenie or that they mm. have to become a vegan or that they have to be all of these things because I think you can make a difference without, you know, yeah. without identifying in those certain ways and, every, and yeah. no one likes litter. So that's our passion and that, that's what Five for Ride really started at us. And, and wow. it's, to pick you up on something there, you know, everyone is an environmentalist. It's a choice. You know, when you go, oh, how what do you do? You're an environmentalist. Every single person out there can make a difference and become an environmentalist every day mm. by doing simple things like you're saying. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't go to university. It's a passion. It's it's just it's almost a responsibility. Yeah, That's and I also I think that it's not. Uh, I think climate change and a lot of these issues have become politically aligned when they're actually not political issues in 
the, the, the pure sense of it. I, I see, you know, a lot of environmental issues as risk management problems, you know, where we're faced with a, an issue, we need to manage the risk because the risk is real and the risk and the, and the severity of the risk is quite extreme. And, mm. and, you know, I think we need to re-examine where we align these environmental issues because they're not left or right. They, they are just, they just are, you know, and, and the way we fix those should be accessible to everyone. Yeah, I guess in terms of those environmental issues, like if, if you are one of those inverted in inverted commas environmentalists, like it's one thing to actually identify a problem, but if you actually do want to make change, how do you actually go about sort of encouraging or supporting that change? And I think sometimes uh, the environmental group, if you want to call them, in, if you want to call groups that, that, that it's almost like it's too extreme. Like it's it's almost for you're forcing your opinion on someone, and 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 sometimes by taking a or look a, showing the positive side of change in terms of oh look it's pretty easy to to use your your um, you know multi use coffee cups or or not use plastic bags, and it actually has a real positive benefit, and there's actually it can be you know not too much of a you know, a, a drag, and it's 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 uh, can potentially save you money, and look there's a good outcome for it. You can't. You, I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes with the environmental uh, the environmentalists of the world probably need to recognise that by by trying to uh, enforce change, sometimes they actually can do uh, more of a, a negative than a positive. Uh, and you've got to recognise that there's an audience uh, that you are potentially trying to uh, encourage to adopt a more sustainable practices. But there's ways and means of actually doing it. And I think well, taking a leaf out of your book by making it simple, easy and potentially fun or convenient or, or positive, that's probably a lot more effective than, than if you came along to someone's house and said, Oi, I just went through your rubbish and, my goodness, you were being an environmental vandal and I hate you and blah, blah, blah. It would, would have obviously had, to, to be honest, the you, opposite you effect. You end up with the boomerang effects. You yeah. end up with people actually – and we heard it um, a couple of times is that, you know, if you show some of these images or you, you – persecute people to a position where they mm. feel like they're the bad guys and mm. you're the good guys, yeah. they actually want to do more harm. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. They yeah. actually say, you know what, next time I get a straw, I'm going to get four. <laughs> and, I'm gonna, and I've had people say it, you know, in response to certain campaigns. So that's when we knew that um, – if we had some success and we had some success with our community and, and really we're, we're not by no means were responsible for the change but it was I guess it's all about tipping points and I think that there was an appetite for it and, and it certainly has helped. For example, City Ride Council make some really significant changes and continue to. Um, it's certainly helped us connect a whole bunch of people who 
felt like they wanted to do something mm. but, you know, didn't know how. So we we certainly have felt that there was power within that and then the, the success we've had moving outside just our community has been that we can translate that to other groups who are doing exactly the same thing and help them be positive, help them identify solutions and help them build community. And I think that's the, the bit that we that led to Good for the Hood is that so many of these activities are environmental activities and sustainable, you know, um, practices, but they actually build communities. They build capacity amongst other people. They help bring people together. They are inclusive. So, you know, our sewing groups, for example, bring people from all over the community. We sewing have, group? We have a sewing group. So we have a boomerang bag group. <laughs> you guys should come. Well, please. I was about to say, I can remember, what, what's the, what's the, um, the riddle when you oh. have to put it through the eye up the... I have no idea. Oh, so I, I, I did a bit of sewing in my time. Look, There's I nothing think, wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. But yeah. I, think, I think that's the bit that we sometimes miss is that um, we're focusing always on a prevention of waste and, you know, stopping litter, going into the – but we forget that actually by doing a lot of these things we're actually building stronger communities. And totally. I think a lot of councils, a lot of governments and a lot of businesses and organisations recognise that if you strengthen your community through whatever capacity mm. – that there are inherent benefits to everyone. Again, yeah. they're not political benefits. They are just community benefits. So that's why we have said um, it's really important for us to connect people, bring, you know, connect and network people who have similar passions or maybe one has a solution and one has mm. a problem, you know, and bringing those people together. And so that's really the premise of Good for the Hood. We work now with a whole bunch of businesses who are trying to connect maybe a solution with a community group that needs it or are trying to work as a social enterprise, so connecting people and capacity building groups that may not have a huge amount of you know money or, or time to do things. So I think there's opportunities there that sometimes, again, if we're too narrow in our focus, we, we miss out on seeing. And, and so I'm right in saying, so Five for Ride sort of evolved over a 12-month period and then sort of you then picked up another hat. Yeah. You mentioned good, good in the Hood, so can you yeah. tell people about yeah, so so Good for the Hood is a um, it's a social enterprise. It is a professional. What, what does social enterprise mean? So social enterprise means uh, we are not not for profit. So we are a for profit company. However, a proportion of our profits uh, go either go back into our business, go into the community, or are donated to groups or that align with our cause. No, that's we we um, had a. Sort of a marketing meeting the other day, and I think Brad raised yeah. it. He goes, "Why are we not called a social enterprise?" And yeah. I didn't actually know what it means. Yeah. So yeah. in in Australia, there's no, I think, legal determination of what a social enterprise is, but um, certainly there's a massive push across communities and and uh, you know globally when you're talking about procurement and companies are looking to procure services, they're looking for businesses which aren't just wanting to, you know, line their own pockets but actually mm. wanting to improve community again because stronger communities mean stronger businesses. So when you're talking sense. about – Yeah, it's you absolutely. Know, and and, and with, when we talk about corporate social responsibility, most organisations who are of a certain size are now starting to understand that social enterprises will play a part of the good that they can do when they spend their money because we know that every dollar we spend – basically helps to find the world that we live in. So if they can choose an organisation that provides a solution to their business needs but then also helps provide a, a community benefit, you know, that, that's that's what a social enterprise is. It's, it's increasingly 
popular, um, I guess. Sounds um, cool. It sounds well, great. And to be honest, it is what we do, really. Let's, let's face it. Like we're obviously a for-profit company in Ocean Protect, but we, we do a lot of advocacy and, and education, this podcast being one example of our advocacy, but we've given a bunch of money to, uh, to fund um, some uh, educational modules within New South Wales schools, which we're looking to roll out nationally about waterway health protection. Yeah, we, 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 we would have donated cash, yeah. over $100,000 in the last six months. So. Yeah. Yeah. If the A of Essex are listening, we want to become a social enterprise. Thank you. Well, there's a, for anyone who's interested, I'd seriously recommend you talk to a group called Social Traders. Um, they are involved in actually certifying social enterprises and cool. taking um, businesses through that process. And if you're already an organisation that is doing that, then by all Sing means. It out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because I think it really is – the way that businesses should be operating. I think that every – and a lot of businesses do and, and we should be celebrating those. Just going back to one of your, your comments before, um, uh, for our listeners out there, uh, Joe and I had lunch a month ago and, um, you know, look, I met Joe at a little conference uh, 12 months ago but it was good to sit down with you and just have a chat. And one of the things I, I remember and you've, you've said it again now, you know, what's your passion? What are you really good at? What do you love? And Joe's turned around and said connecting people. You know, that's what – you know, connections yeah. and connecting people and putting, you know, and to give you an example, she walked out of the lunch. Within 24 hours, I had the mayor of Ride, Jerome Luxell, uh, email me going, hey, I've just heard about what you're up to. Can you please come in, have a chat? And actually Brad and I literally uh, a, week, a week ago, it was a, yeah, it was a few days ago, wasn't it? I think oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think there's been a busy, busy week. Yeah. I think it's about a, a, a few days ago where we met with Jerome, awesome guy. He's Lovely the mayor guy. of mayor of Ride, and we're obviously promoting and advocating for a zero um, litter discharge to our oceans by 2040. And there's a number of ways you can actually achieve that. Re, you know, re, reducing the amount of pollution, uh, sorry, at at source and uh, appropriate stormwater management, for example, and, and appropriate maintenance of assets, etc. But uh, he was. Like we, we wouldn't have had that connection no, with Jerome no, no, if not it hadn't have been for, for the pre- previous connection that uh, Jeremy had with um, yourself. Um, and I, 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 when, when you talk about connectivity, and I, I come from a country Victoria as well, and uh, I think when you actually come from a, a, a rural environment where everyone knows everyone else, and yeah. then you come to a city environment, it's it's the, the biggest contrast in my mind is actually that that disconnection with other people. Like you walk down the street and don't say hello to someone. It's a really weird, like you drive past someone and you don't give them the, the you know, wave in the car. I honestly think maybe that's one of the, one of your sort of, uh, you know, subconscious motivators is, is actually trying to actually turn our urban environments into a more uh, community friendly um, style, similar to your background. Uh, you, maybe you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I've never actually thought yeah. about it that way before. He's a smart man. I know. You and, know? and you're right. I grew up in a community of three and a half thousand people and everyone knew everyone and everyone would talk to people and they'd be like, and you know, and I heard this happen to you yesterday and you're like, how did you hear that? Like, <laughs> um, and look, it's, it's, it was at times um, called, you know, incestuous, but it's, it's actually a really strong community. And, and it I makes think- you feel really good, isn't it? Like, I, I don't know, yeah. I, that's one thing I do miss. I grew up in Bendigo, by the way, in country Victoria. Shout it's a beautiful to town. Shout out to the mm-hmm. Bendigo people. But um, it's a beautiful feeling to, to go to the local park or play a game of footy and you know everybody. And it's, and it's a really, 
just a good sort of warm fuzzy feeling and you, you don't have that as much in an urban environment but having said that like you touched on before we are facing some very significant environmental issues and amongst other issues and when we actually collectively get together we can actually resolve them quite quite readily like we talked about you talked about bringing people together and um, one sort of initiative that springs to mind is the men's shed which brings together predominantly retired men together to actually just do stuff like they 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 create make wheelchairs or, or create toys for people in developing countries it's an incredible positive experience not just for the recipients of the of the goods that they produce but also the the, the community that, that is formed around that, that that sort of shed and it sounds uh, a bit sort of simple but it, the, the benefits are uh, endless the sheds are very powerful mm. uh, I've got a shed home at home in, in New Zealand I'd spend a hell of a lot of time down in a shed just tinkering you know imagine if you pulled you know people together well, that, that's, what these men, yeah. that's what these men's sheds are. Yeah. So I join a men's shed. Well, I was about to say. You join one, Jeremy. Boom. <laughs> you can also knit there. Uh, hey, I can knit. Can you knit? I cannot knit. Can I used to be able to knit as a kid and I couldn't tell you how to do it now. Oh, I've, oh, my knitting skill is very good. <laughs> what I was going to say is that, that I would suggest also that people forget, and, and I think you're right, sometimes you can be in the city and feel really disconnected, but you only need to join a local totally. community group yep. of any kind. It could be a sporting club. Yep. It could be, you know, a rotary club. It could be the local dance class. I mean, you only need to start doing that, and then that's how you connect people. So so what I do now through my role as Riverkeeper, apart from wearing a, a cape and carrying a staff, is, um, <laughs> is actually going out to – community groups across the whole of the catchment and trying to connect them with our vision to make the Parramatta River swimmable again. So the Parramatta River always was swimmable prior to, you know, industrialising it in the sort of 40s and onwards. And, you know, we really want to return it to that because what's more powerful than improving the environment than actually making the river swimmable enough yeah, that so people amazing. actually can get in there. So, And we know that urban rivers, um, you know, there's a push all over the world for this movement. Um, you know, they've done it really successfully in a number of countries. And it's, it is, it's, it's about providing people, particularly people of Western Sydney, an opportunity to have somewhere that they can swim that's less than 10 minutes from their home or 20 minutes from their home instead of having to go to Bondi and hang out with all the eastern suburbs hipsters. Well, totally agree. I don't, like live, I don't live in the eastern suburbs. Northern beaches hipsters. Yeah, there we go. No, They're the worst kind of hipsters, aren't they? You're right. Like I, um, I used to live in Manly next to the Queenscliff Lagoon. That is the most polluted waterway in all of New South Wales is Manly Lagoon. It is horrendous. And... Look, the, the public community, look, I put a plan or I put a proposal, you know, over the, over the phone. I said, look, make it a public community. Imagine if that lagoon was swimmable, mm. you know, families, et cetera. Well, obviously it's fallen on deaf ears. But that initiative to make the Parramatta River swimmable is just one that's and, brilliant. And this is maybe the contrast in the two different strategies that, that yourself and, and Joe are using, like oh, – sorry, Par- Parramatta River um, uh, Catchment Trust, I think it is. So, yeah. so, for example, uh, Jeremy's potentially focusing too much on the negative in terms of saying, this lagoon is the most polluted in the Australia, we need to do something about it, whereas the Parramatta River Catchment Group was saying – Hey, let's make the Parramatta River swimmable. Hey, these, focusing these, on the no, 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 no. These, these, these politicians, these people from Manly, wouldn't even return my calls. But that's mate. my point. But, but no, but, but look, hold on. Joe is focusing on the positive, the positive, uh, positive oh, aspect of. Yeah, yeah. We just make Joe, sure Joe. the um, the knife cupboard is locked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. But I, I'm not I, I, I agree. I agree with. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying. 
but, but I guess what I'm my point is, yeah, it would be a public community, but there is there needs to be a want and a drive. Mm. And if you don't have those things, obviously the Parramatta, you've got a number of different councils, I believe, on board. Yeah, we've got we had 11 councils, three <laughs> state government agencies. And look, it hasn't happened quickly. Oh, sure. No. And I can't tell you that it's always been smooth sailing either. I mean, mm. certainly this we've been working with um, groups since 2008 as the PRCG, and I think it takes a lot of work to bring so many agencies together and all have such a unified vision. And I think you're right, the positive message is – always so important to us because it's an asset and it's a sacred asset with that we are so lucky to have and you know yeah. we, we need to celebrate and we need to and, and there's a lot of work to do but we are we are working on it well so. and and just on that um we're going to break uh, obviously for this podcast but when we come back i want to know more i want to know more about those 11 councils i want to know more about the history and know more about you joe thanks for listening to the ocean protect podcast Episodes are released weekly and the next episode will feature part two of this chat. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.